Okay, friends, I'm going to ask you to return to your seats, and we're going to continue with the service. I want to thank you for your prayers and uh, for your blessing to get to Ontario this week. As you probably know, my aunt passed away, and I, I just had to get back there to be with family, to, to grieve with them and help them process and also remain focused on Jesus. And um, funerals are an important time to do that. In fact, the, the pastor who led the funeral was actually a good friend of mine. We grew up together. And um, he, he quoted Ecclesiastes that says it's better to go to a funeral than to a celebration. And, and it was a really good moment of saying, yeah, we need to focus on eternity. Um, so thank you for your blessing to let me go do that with my family. And Ralph just stopped me here a moment ago and said that, uh, can you just let the congregation know that my Auntie Greta passed on as well and that there's going to be a, a, a funeral service for her at Parkland Mall. The, not Parkland Mall, probably. <laughs> That'd be like wedding and the celebration? No. Um, no, at, at Parkland Funeral Home um, this coming Friday. So you can talk to them for more details. And we will remember them now in our prayers. So let's pray. Lord, your word says that you have put eternity into the hearts of each of your people. And we are reminded of eternity in moments where we, we have loss. We, we are reminded that, that you give us a limited time on this earth to, to seek you and to know you and to respond well to you. So thank you for, for the reminders that have um, just come our way recently that we need to remain focused on Jesus to make the most of the time that you give us. And thank you for the, the long amount of time that you gave Andy Greta and I pray for blessings and comfort over their family as they mourn her loss. I, my prayer for those who are grieving today, for, for both Ralph and Joyce and the rest of the family, is that what, what Jesus had in mind when he said, it's better that I leave because I will send the comforter, would you provide that full measure of comfort that Jesus envisioned for his people, for them. As they walk through this time of, of celebrating a life and grieving a loss, would you be that for them today? Lord, I, I thank you that we get to be together and focus on the things that are eternal. Thank you that we, we get to, to sit under your word and be, be challenged to to see how our lives need to come into greater alignment with what you define as reality, with what you say, this is who, when you say, this is who I am, how are you going to respond? I, I pray for tender hearts this morning that, that each of us would respond well to you. I pray that you would equip and empower um, our brother as he comes to speak and share from your word and from the things that you have been doing in his life. Lord, would you make us people who remain attentive to Jesus during this time, receptive to everything that you are inviting us into. In Jesus' name, amen. Roger, do you want to come up? This is my, my new friend, Roger. Um, Roger is, um, well, he's an interesting guy. I, as I was reading <laughs> his book, he start, He was a, he's from Southern, Calif Southern California, yes, is that right? Yes. Spent some time in the military. Yes then decided to go into the peacemaking side of things in the pastorhood. Is that right? Yeah? It's one way to put it. Yeah. He, he <laughs> make moved peace from, with God. He, make peace with God. <laughs> he moved from pastoring um, or from the military into pastoring um, and pastored in a number of different um, streams within the, the Christian church, from Christian Missionary Alliance to the Brethren to the Baptists to the Vineyards. And actually, I think you ended with the Baptists. Is that right? Yeah, Mennonite Brethren. Mennonite Brethren. And Sister. There you go. <laughs> yes. And then from there... He, they got that. Yeah. Did you get that? Oh, I got it. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I have ridden that hobby horse yeah, before. Okay, there you go. There you go. Know. There you go. Um, yeah, and now you are the ambas prayer ambassador for the Evangelical Fellowship. 
So that sounds like you go to different places and pray for them. Is that right? Do they send you all over the country and all uh, we, over the we world? We do Zoom. We do live. Oh. We do uh, a variety of different things in prayer. So Okay. Yeah. So your passport doesn't necessarily reflect that? Correct. Okay. Well, maybe they will send you to some cool places soon. But thank you so much for being willing to, to come and meet with us and share your journey. Um, Roger has a number of books back there. So you'll see outside we have a sign that says free books. We do not have a sign that says free books there. So Roger will uh, would be happy to sell you some books. But he asked for my permission to do that. This was not um, organized as a book sale. This was organized as um, Ben and our council reaching out to Roger and saying, we would love to hear from you. Um, would you come and bless our congregation? Would you come and meet with our leaders afterwards and just have a time of sharing what the Lord has has taught you and how we might learn from that? So thank you so much for, for making the trip up from Airdrie this morning to, to be with us. My pleasure. Yeah, bless you. Thank you. We're going to hand it over to you now. Blessings, my friend. Thank you. All right. Appreciate Unity Baptist Church and your role in this city, Red Deer, there's lots of good churches here. I know a few of the different pastoral leaders and district leaders. Terry Fawson and I work together. Uh, He's the district leader for the North American Baptist, Alberta Baptist Conference here. And uh, when I was working as a district minister for the Baptist General Conference of Alberta, different conference, but similar, we had a lot of commonalities of relationship and things that we did together up at Taylor seminary and our office was up there. We kind of shared an office together. So I have had some great relationships with a number of NAB and Alberta Baptist Association churches. And in fact, one of the things that I'll be talking about a little later is something that we held as an Evangelical Fellowship of Canada and a few other ministry groups called Ignite, which was a series of gatherings to pray for unity, go figure, and spiritual awakening in Canada. We, uh, as different ministry groups I'll talk about uh, in a few moments, you can put the PowerPoint slide up there, just the first one, uh, with regard to seeking the face of God for an outpouring of his spirit uh, across this country. And uh, one of the churches that we held in Kelowna was Trinity Baptist. So it's now called Trinity Church, and they have a fabulous sort of... uh, campus and uh, great leaders that are vested in prayer and ministry of the Spirit of God. But this morning, I I really want to just affirm who you are as a congregation and what you are doing. You're, you're a lively group. You've got a lot of young families and children here. In fact, I was marveling over Pastor Ben, who I'm growing to appreciate. He's got four children. So I can relate to that. I had three children. My, my daughter, uh, who's our oldest, she's got four. And they range from 12 down to 9, down to 7, down to 4. So it is a busy house. There's a lot of moving parts. And those of you who have uh, lots of children or grandchildren, you understand that you need the gift of administration. (laughs) And you need the gift of patience to really navigate all the velocity of those kids who come and go and uh, all the challenges that it takes to be a good parent and a grandparent. So thank you for your commitment to this next generation of of young ones. There's a topic that's been sort of really close and deep in my heart for quite some time. And it's a prevailing theme that just about everywhere I go, you hear it in worship songs, you hear it in preaching and teaching, you hear it in prayers, you hear it in sort of this collective call with respect to seeking the presence of God. And this morning, I want to sort of unpack a bit of this topic, which is quite extensive uh, throughout Scripture. And as a prayer ambassador for the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, one of my primary roles is to help denominations and churches and ministry organizations and theological schools really, as it were, recover a sense of not only devotion to prayer, but in prayer to seek the presence, to seek the face of God. And that involves a number of different postures and practices that 
I believe, are the key to not only personal spiritual renewal, but through church renewal. And I think those of us that have really had a tough go, I think most of us had a tough go through the couple of years of COVID where we were, you know, basically holed up at home. A lot of us were on Zoom, we're on YouTube, we're decentralized in our workplaces and in our schools and even in our churches trying to figure out what does it mean to be human to navigate the world that was closing in on us that, uh, you know, there's still lasting results. So there's challenges. There's challenges that we face when we want to pursue the face of God. Uh, you can move that slide. I don't know how you want to move the slides. I can just sort of wave my, my hand. But there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of fog on the horizon. You look at our world today, it's a different world than it was two and three years ago, isn't it? Completely different world. You know, we all got a sigh of relief when we sort of came out the back end of, of COVID and, you know, social distancing was sort of alleviated and the masking and the different requirements that were still sort of navigating and the term that's coming up a lot I hear now is mental health and how there's been just a, a whole range of, of challenges with, with mental health, with respect to depression, with anxiety, with uncertainties of our world. And, you know, when you look at inflation and you look at the turmoil that's around the world, it creates a, a lot of duress for people. And we haven't really, I don't think, recovered fully from the duress that was brought to us uh, into our lives in terms of COVID and the fears and insecurities, the anxieties are still and still present. Church has, has been recalibrated. There are people now that basically checked out during uh, COVID and, you know, the online experience was, was a substitute in, in a way, but it never really, really replaced face-to-face -face gatherings, right? But some people just decided online church is good enough. You know, I'll just chime in and sort of cruise the internet and pop in and out when I need to. And, you know, I guess that's okay for a certain measure of people that just can't get to places. But at the same time, there's something about being present together and how mental health, spiritual health is something that we all want to cultivate and uh, mature in. We have an election tomorrow, Right? This is an important election for this province. There's a lot of issues that kind of surround this election, and every election has a lot of prevailing issues. And so I encourage you really to do your part as a civil servant, to cast your voice, your vote for whatever party best represents that you think is going to do the best for this province. But prayerfully be involved and be engaged in, in Red Deer and in Alberta in a way that you know, brings light to, to dark places, that brings hopefulness to places of despair and discouragement. Support your lo local uh, officials, city officials, provincial, and, and even federal officials and, and government leaders that work in local government and places of real influence. We need righteousness. We need the presence of God to prevail. Also in Ottawa on this uh, next couple of days is the, kind of the national prayer breakfast. And there's about 750 leaders from all across the country. Many of them are Christian leaders that represent different traditions who assemble in Ottawa and they have the dinner. I think it's on the Monday night and on Tuesday morning. It's the national prayer breakfast. Prime Minister is generally there. And a number of leaders, there's about 120 leaders here from Alberta that are actually going. Uh, a lot of them are from uh, Southern Alberta and places that want to bring a voice uh, of, uh, you know, Christian viewpoint and, and things that are biblical and righteous uh, to have an influence in, in the places of decision-making when it comes to our government. But it still comes down to, we can have good politicians, we can have good government, we can have good laws and such, and good parties, and, and yet still fall short of the kingdom that is really represented by the presence of God, that when God's presence is manifest. There, there are supernatural things that occur. There are transformational things that occur that can't occur in any other way. And I, I want to remind us that today also is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. You can move that slide. Just move it ahead. 
Pentecost Sunday is today. It's the 28th of May. And just to give us a bit of perspective, Pentecost Sunday is the Old Testament celebration called the Feast of Weeks, which was basically held 50 days after Passover. So Passover, if you go back to the book of Exodus and Israel, they're in Egyptian bondage for 430 years, and God sends Moses and to deliver the people out of Egyptian bondage on their way to the promised land. They camp out at Mount Sinai where the the law is given. And so there's 50 days after the Exodus is what they call the Feast of Weeks, which was to be celebrated in Israel. But then it's picked up with the New Testament in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. It's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So the timing of the sort of the church calendar reflects the Old Testament foreshadowing of the coming of the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2, which has now altered really the course of human history now until Christ returns and we're living in the last days. So today is the day that is celebrating 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there are many churches and traditions that reflect very specifically on this uh, particular day and all the weeks leading up to Pentecost Sunday to call for the outpouring of the Spirit of God, that he would visit his people in this time and in this era with his presence, with his power, with his purity to make a difference in our lives where the Spirit of God would be poured upon all flesh, men and women, boys and girls, all across the world that we become people of his presence, that we walk as glory carriers of the presence of God. And there's a great deal of prayer that's out there, and different ones of you are probably involved, different traditions, different movements, different regional and national and even international prayer initiatives that are calling on the Lord to send his spirit in revival. There's, we're living in desperate times. We're living in dark times. We're living in times of real you know, lack of immediacy of of the kingdom and the church world that brings transformation into our society. And sin is having its way. And there's a number of traditions and movements and initiatives that are calling on for a revival, that the outpouring of the Spirit of God would come and awaken people to the gospel, to the light of Jesus Christ, and a manifest presence of God to become compelling to draw people into faith. A.W. Tozer, for those of you who recognize that name, he's a great uh, alliance leader, uh, mystic in some ways, but really committed to prayer, committed to renewal and revival. And he said this, that the kind of revival we need today is a revival of reverence and sacredness in the presence of God. And this needs to begin personally, begins with you and I, and then it needs to flow over into the church setting. Revival's in the air. You can study revival history and you can sort of track the types of elements that preceded revival And generally, the the bottom line sort of foundation posture for revival is prayer, mingled with repentance and a sense of the holiness of God that changes our lives as individuals, and then it begins to spill out and moves into the church and then moves into the community. Revival is in the air. But I want to point you to a specific text in scripture that really captures, I think, sort of the, the zip file, as it were. It's, it's this one file that is just packed with a number of different sub-elements in it. And if you can unpack this theological zip file, as it were, it will open up a whole world of understanding of to the nature of not only personal and corporate revival. but it unlocks the kingdom that is embodied by the presence of God. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn, if you would, to Psalm 105, verse 4. 
I wrote a book on this entire subject for the last couple of years, just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called Pursuing God's Presence. And I really would say that this one verse is the thesis, not only for the whole book, but I think really for what God expects of his people to be a supreme search, a supreme priority in how we view life, how we view our workplace, how we view our families, how we view our personal lives, and how we view our mission in the world. And it really boils down to what the psalmist says here is to seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Let me unpack this just for a moment. When you think of the word seek, there's different things that may come to mind. You ever play hide and seek with your kids? You know, I play hide and seek with my grandkids. You know, Papa, you know, come find me, you know? And then when, you, when they come and search for me and they find me, I found you, you know? And there's this thing about hide and seek. What is it about hide and seek that captures the imagination of children and parents and grandparents playing with them? There, there's this... There's this search that's intentional. And you look and you search until you find that person. Think of losing something valuable. You ever lost uh, your smartphone? Have you ever lost your wallet? Have you ever lost a child in a busy playground or in a mall somewhere? What happens to your inner world when you lose something really, really valuable. Just think about this. There's an enormous amount of duress and energy that gets drawn in where you now become focused on one thing. And your one thing that you're focused on is to find that which you have lost. You're finding that wallet. You're finding that smartphone. You're finding that computer. You're finding that child that you don't know where they're at. And you're just like, eh. The same word here is really trying to capture the intentionality and the importance of what it means to seek for God. Doesn't Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things in life that we worry about will be added. What do you and I seek? Do we seek a career? Do we seek relationships? Do we seek, you know, a future where we want more certainty? Do we seek another job? Do we seek another house? Do we seek another location? You know, whatever it is, do we seek the Lord in a way that that is the primary north star motivation that governs our life in a way that's compelling? It's a way that has focus. The Bible says here to seek the Lord and his strength. The word means to, to... to have might, to have power, to have authority. But the word seek is really a great word. It means to beat a path towards the Lord, to search for with intentionality. It means to to run after in a way that also involves inquiring of God. So we seek the Lord as we pray and as we inquire of him. A couple weeks ago, I had a person on my book launch team who was reading through and they saw how I noticed the Hebrew word here to seek the Lord means to beat a path to the Lord. He sent me a picture. Next slide. He said, I I was in a playground with my grandchildren. I saw this at the playground. There's a path right there that goes to the playground from the neighborhood and it's carved into the ground because of the repetition of kids running on it. This is exactly the image that we are to have in our hearts is that we're beating a path to the Lord, that we are walking on ground that becomes familiar and it becomes 
permanent because our search of God is intentional. Our search of God is continual. Our search of God encompasses everything that's about us, that we pray, that we, that we look around and we pay attention to how God is at work in our world. It becomes a supreme search. This text says to seek the Lord and his strength. How many of you need strength today? How many of you are feeling like, you know, you're just, you're running out of gas. You're running out of steam. You know, you, 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 having a nap isn't sufficient. Getting six or seven hours of sleep at night is not enough. There, there's a lot of moving parts in our lives, right? And I think as we age, some of us, it just feels like, we don't have the resilience we once had. You know, we're just, like, we're getting worn down. You know, we look at young people and say, how do they get all the energy? Well, they're young, that's why. They, you know, when you get older, you start running, you start running out like an old car. It just starts losing its vitality. You know, emotional strength, physical strength. And again, COVID, not that I want to keep coming back, but COVID has done a number on a lot of people. People are tired. There's a lot of change in our world. There's a lot of change in our, a lot of duress in our society. You look at the political landscape and the social landscape and things that go on in churches and stuff, it, it creates a lot of, you know, fatigue for people. And sometimes we just, Lord, I need your strength. I need to call upon you. Please visit me. Please, you know, enhance my capacity of wholeness and, and healing. And some of your bodies are not working well and you need healing. Pray for healing, pray for the presence of God to minister to you and give the supernatural strength. When you think of seeking the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually, there's, there's a couple frames that I want you to keep in mind about the presence of God. One is called the, the essential presence of God or the omnipresence of God. That refers to God's presence being everywhere. Like he's as far away in the universe as he is, as close as he is to your breath. He's in this room. He's in space. He's in, he inhabits the universe. It's like the air that we breathe. We're not always aware, but if you step back, you pay attention, you kind of go, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm able to breathe. There's oxygen in the room. There's air, but we're not always aware of it. That's the way that God's essential presence or his omnipresence is always there as well as we aren't aware of him, but he is always present, the great I am. But then there are times on special occasions that the Bible calls the manifest presence of God. That's when he comes in close. That's where sometimes in a room, in a worship gathering, or in a time of, of study or prayerfulness, that there's this, this electricity in the room. There's this sense of the, the weight and the glory of God's presence. There's a sense of of change, there, there, there's dynamics, there's gifts, there, there's what the some writers of the uh, spiritual life called the unction of the Lord, and there's this sense of, of his presence that's compelling, and, and it's hard to describe, the manifest presence of God. These encompass both of these aspects of seeking his presence. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, I was part of a, a, a group of ministry organizations, the, the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, the, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Canada, the, the National House of Prayer, which is based in Ottawa, the Peace and Reconciliation Network has a global reach with the World Evangelical and also Vineyard Canada. We participated in a, a series of meetings called Ignite. You can move that slide in. Uh, ben came down to Calgary a couple of weeks ago to uh, take in uh, the Calgary expression of Ignite. And so Ignite was a vision that these five ministry groups together felt the Lord really draw our hearts to offer times where we would pray again for spiritual unity, to break dividing walls, and to pray for a spiritual awakening in Ottawa, in Calgary, in Kelowna, and in Regina. So we just finished this tour a couple of weeks ago. 
And when we came back, we had about probably 350 people in the public evening gatherings. Uh, we held seminars for church and pastoral leaders in the afternoon, followed by a complimentary dinner to explore the subject of developing cultures of prayer in local churches. And we probably had, I don't know, in Calgary, about 270 at Center Street Church. The whole atrium there was just full of all these leaders to learn how do we cultivate cultures of prayer in our local churches. Like churches will pray, but they're not necessarily houses of prayer. Jesus says, my house should be a house of prayer for all nations. And we are walking, talking temples of God where we are invited to commune and communicate with God in a way that connects kingdom to world, that heaven on earth is manifest through our lives as a people of God. So we were offering these seminars. We were praying for these leaders. And then we had a public gathering together. And all we did was pray and worship. We didn't have any speakers. We had different local leaders that prayed and uh, different team members that prayed. The reports that we got back were basically revolving around people experienced, number one, the presence of God. Those are the things that people said. They actually experienced the manifest presence of God, because our goal was to seek his face. The second thing that came back was there were waves of the spirit that people acknowledged. They could feel sort of the movement of the wind of the spirit of God sort of blowing through these gatherings and these times together. The other thing that came out of these times was a sense, a, a sense of drawing people together and drawing leaders together, drawing different churches and traditions together to be united. Now, there's a lot of barriers and breakdowns between, between churches, some churches, between different theological traditions and different streams and such. And so the Lord, I believe, if we want to see revival, if we want to see renewal, we got to come to grips with unity. And I think a church like this named Unity Baptist Church. There's got to be history behind that of why that name was selected here. I don't know what it is. I think those of you that have been here a while, you could probably tell me. But I think it's really telling in terms of how it is a theological framework built around the Holy Spirit, God and Father, and son who are united as one God. There's one faith, one baptism, one Lord of all. And unity in the spirit and the bond of peace opens up the floodgates of heaven to be able to move in such a way that his presence becomes manifest. Division and quenching the spirit has a way of moving God to the back bench. Okay, if we, if we want the Lord present in our midst in a way that brings healing and hopefulness and, and missional impact in our world, we will unite our hearts through prayer, through repentance, through seeking the face of God and sort of letting go of our agendas, letting go of our control, letting go of our insecurities, letting go of our theological paradigms and such. And when the presence of God comes powerfully, sometimes there's unusual things that occur. That's true. We see that in revival history. But that's okay. God can handle it, you know? Some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit, right? Well, Pentecostals, Charismatics, and that's kind of more, mm, no, that's not actually biblical. Uh, the Holy Spirit is God. <laughs> Think of that. He's not a junior member of the Trinity. He's not consigned to Charismatics and Pentecostals. No, no, no. He, he, he's, he's right up there with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He's not a junior member of the Trinity. He's got a, a secondary function. It's not the way it is. He's God, perfect in his holiness, perfect in his power and his purity, and his capacity and his desire to indwell his church, the church of Jesus Christ, indwelt by the Spirit, the presence of God, the living God inside us, but inside his people. He wants his way. We seek his presence, his manifest presence. Another word that comes out in the Old Testament often is the word kavod. I love this word kavod. 
it refers to the weight of God's manifest presence. It refers to his glory. It refers to his, the radiance and the beauty of his perfections. So when we seek the presence of God, we are seeking to seek, experience, and host God's kavod. Now, often in the Old Testament, the word kavod, Hebrew, is translated as glory, right? But the word glory sort of has this umbrella abstract. It's hard to, how do you translate the word glory, you know? Or it's like the word shalom, peace. How do you, how do you translate that? It's packed with a lot of meaning, but the, the kavod of God is, is the weight of his presence. That when we, when we seek the presence of God and we seek his presence continually, that is to say, without interruption, we begin to experience his kavod. Now, here's some of the things that happens to people when the kavod of God settles in, particularly on a congregation. You can actually literally feel the weight of his presence, where at times you can't move. The thickness of God is so strong, people can't move, they can't talk. I've been in public gatherings, even on worship teams, where they just like can't sing. They can't move. They, they can't hardly do anything except sort of just be in this place of reverence, in this place of, of this awe. And often, you know, people just, you know, you got to just, uh, you know, the place to be is down. It's like, man, I just feel the weight of the presence of God and being prostrate and, and come before God in, in worship and submission is a natural response. Another response is the, the fear of God. So when Isaiah sees this glorious vision of God's kavod, his glory, which inha inhabits the universe, and he goes, holy, holy, holy. He's saying about holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His first reaction was fear. He's undone. You know, he, he, he's in, he encounters the, the presence of God, which is full of glorious holiness. There's a sacredness. There's the beauty of God's person, which is magnificent. The solar winds of his presence begins to, as it were, affect heart and soul. And the natural response is to fear God's like, Ugh. you ever looked up into the winter sky at night? You know, when it's a clear winter sky and you look up into the stars, and you see all these glistening stars in the midnight sky. You know, sometimes you see these shooting stars or you see these, the, you know, the northern lights. Well, what's kind of your first response? Like, whoa, cool. It's kind of like, uh, there's a sense of overwhelmingness, right? That's because you're being confronted with God's kaboom. We're overtaken by the power and perfection of his beauty, of his person. When we seek the presence of God, these are the kinds of things that revitalize us and revitalize churches and bring revival. The psalmist says, you have said, seek my face, and my heart sings to you, your face, Lord, I seek. The word seek God's presence is often the Hebrew word pane. It means face. When we seek God's presence, we're not just seeking his power, his gifts, revival, all the outcomes of that encounter, but we're actually seeking his person reflected in his face. So the face of God in Jesus is what we're seeking. We're seeking God's face. It's personal relationship. It's connection. It's communion. It's the longing of our heart is to be in the presence, be in the face, be in the, the purview of God's relationship with us personally in the person of Jesus Christ. So let me ask this question. Is Unity Baptist Church prepared to seek the face of God? Are you prepared to come before the Lord in surrender, in a posture of yieldedness, in a posture of faith? The Bible requires that faith is at the center of the pursuit. 
We are told in Hebrews 11.6 that faith is the key, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we believe he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Did you get that? You see, when you seek the presence of God, it is a journey of faith. We can't line up all the ducks and get every part of the ledger intact before we make a decision. It requires a commitment beforehand that we're going to trust God, that we're going to take him at his word, that we are going to believe that we're going to let go of some of our fears. and inse- Not that we go wild and crazy and get off into a bunch of excess and error and, and sort of you know nonsense. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a devotion that is so permeated by an affection for Jesus Christ through the word of God that we are prepared to go the distance. We're prepared to lay it down and let the Lord have his way. That's revival. That's what will happen in revival, in a posture of surrender. When we are prepared, not as individuals, but as the people of God, we are going to seek, we're going to seek the face of God. Let me tell you a final story. How many of you heard of the Asbury University outpouring down at Asbury University? I want to tell you about this. Turn the slide. This is Wilmore, Kentucky. Let me say a little bit about Kentucky. So Kentucky has had some revivals before. So back in 1801, in Cane Ridge, Kentucky, there were a group of Methodists and Presbyterians who together sought the face of God, primarily through communion services. And it was a frontier state. You had people living in rural areas and cabins and farms and, you know, out in the outback. And this is where some of the first camp meetings occurred in Kentucky, in Cane Ridge and all in the Red River Valley. And so the word got out and they were like, they were hard to estimate, at least 10,000 possibly more that would gather together in what they call these camp meetings. So they have these outdoor tents and they'd have their covered wagons and then they would kind of put it around in circles and they'd have these revival meetings and the spirit of God came in real power. I mean, there was manifestations, people jerking and falling and swooning and shrieking and all kinds of physical manifestations of encounters with the presence of God. But it basically ignited a revival that really spread into other States in the United States. You can read about the the Cane Ridge and the Kentucky revivals. Back in 1970, at go back to the previous slide. Back in 1970, at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, population of about 6,000 today, smaller back then. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the Hughes Chapel with students that were seeking the face of God. Here we are, 53 years later, same month, February, February the 8th, 2023, they're holding sort of a routine chapel service at Hughes Auditorium on that campus at Asbury University, which has Methodist background, by the way. It's a Wesleyan school, right? Top school. And an ordinary, you can watch it on YouTube if you have it. You can watch the service on February the 8th of Zach McCreebs, who's sort of an Alliance missions guy, lived up the road, I think about a half an hour away. He came and spoke in chapel. Gave a, Below average message. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he says it's below average. I don't say it. He says it. And when you watch, you kind of go, yeah, not that great. 
But he called really for a revival of love. Love of God, love of one another, right? Finished his chapel message. Hughes Auditorium, it sits 1,500 people. About 19 students stayed behind. And they gathered together in time of prayer. And they began to cry out to God. And they began to repent and confess. And the Spirit of God just went. Spirit of God moved in. And they didn't leave. So they're all huddled like this. And things are starting to happen. And now the, the presence of God starts you know, getting out and the word gets out to other people on the campus. So now you've got other students, they're coming back to use auditorium. And they're all, and they're all coming into the presence of God. They're just going like, eh. I usually cry when I'm in the presence of God. Sometimes I've laughed, but some, I usually cry. It's usually my heart is so captured by the presence of God. I just got to sit down and just like, Whew. so they're praying. And then thousands of people started coming within the next couple of days. Now you've got the auditorium, 1,500 people. Now you can turn the slide, okay? And this went on till I think the 21st of February. And they had continuous meetings of jam-packed chapel services. No fancy speakers, no fancy worship, no fancy really anything except seeking the face of God. That's what they were doing. They were experiencing his presence. Now, here's some pictures. Up on the left side, that, that's just one chapel service where you've got students and you've got people. And then the word gets out on TV and radio and all that. Now you've got people from all over the world flying into Wilmore, Kentucky. <laughs> Probably, you know, 6,000 people. Because they, they want in on this. You know, when you got revival and the presence of God is so strong, it's, it's pretty attractive. The town can't handle it. You know, hotels and motels and the streets are all jam-packed. And, and there's people standing outside. They're waiting outside. It's a freezing cold. And it's like waiting outside here in the freezing cold when it's like minus 15 degrees outside and people are standing in line for six hours to get into the chapel. If that's not enough, they figure, man, we'll just sit in the lawn in front of the chapel. That's it. We want to be close to the presence of God. But here's something to blow your mind. So Mark Miller is one of the senior leaders in the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association that I was, we were working with when we were doing Ignite. He lives in Halifax. He was able to get an interview, a podcast. You can watch this, our podcast interview with Mark, with Zach McCreebs, who was the chapel speaker on February the eighth. And Mark basically has a whole series of questions, and he basically sort of peels back the behind the scenes, what's going, what went on, what actually what happened. It's fascinating. It was well led, it was well coordinated. They didn't just lock down with a lot of control. And at the same time, they just didn't just open the doors and just whatever happens. No, it was very carefully led in such a way they didn't want to quench the spirit of God because something special was, was happening. It was, you know, the power of God was so strong. And so Zach basically gives the insider view on some of the things that were happening there. There were healings that were going on there. Like dramatic, we're talking dramatic healings of people from all kinds of infirmities, demonic deliverance, people crying out in spirits, bah! you know, right there in the auditorium. Here's the other thing that happened. A thousand people came to faith, a thousand in three weeks. They have documented cases of 1,000 people come to these meetings and they got saved. That, now that is, that's revival, that's renewal. That's the presence of God, what can happen in Unity Church when you seek the face of God. What's underneath it? 
This is my favorite picture. See that one in the top right corner? That's in the chapel. So here's a student facing the front of the chapel, which is this direction. If you're looking at all that audience, it's this way, the stage. Here's a student in the front of Hughes Auditorium at uh, Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. And on top of the chapel, the, the, uh, the pipe organ pipes, it says, Holiness unto the Lord. That's a typical Wesleyan theological frame, right? So holiness is, you know, Wesley was about holiness of heart and hand. That's the key. When we seek God's presence, we encounter his holiness. Holiness is, is, it's about purity, but it's more about proximity. It's about when God moves in close with his manifest presence, not just the air that we breathe, the omnipresence, but his manifest presence, when he moves in really close, the first thing that we encounter is his holiness. And we don't walk away kind of nonchalant, you know, Holiness. Oh, no, no, no. Moses comes into the holiness of God. What does he do? He takes his shoes off, takes his sandals off, right? When people come into the holiness of God, there's fear. There's a sense of, ah, there's repentance. Like, we're, we're now we're confronted with the sinfulness in our lives. And we're going like, man, you know, when light comes in, darkness has got to go. That's revival. That's renewal. That's what happened at Asbury. Now, if they were a church, they could probably carry on like Toronto did back in the 90s. Toronto Airport Vineyard, went on for 12 and a half years. Millions of people came uh, to Toronto and then Pensacola down in Florida and London, England, Holy Trinity, Trinity Brompton, et cetera. You know, holiness began to really become a primary ingredient of encountering the presence of God. Here's the last thing, and then we're going to pray. Next slide. This would be a good, this would be a good verse to memorize, you know, as adult Sunday school or adult Bible study, or get your youth to memorize these these verses. So Peter is at the day of Pentecost. He's preaching to a crowd of hearers from all over the world because they've traveled from all over the the Roman Empire to be in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now he's got a captive audience, and he sends a gospel message that is profound. All this history of theology of the Old Testament, how it all points to Jesus Christ. And then he says this, Repent, therefore. (laughs) When's the last time... We as Christians, as churches, practice the discipline of repentance. <laughs> or we kind of come clean with our stuff if we seek the presence of God. Repent, therefore, and turn back. So repentance means I'm heading in this direction. God's behind me. Whatever's in front of me isn't God. That's not good. So I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta turn back. I got to go this direction. <laughs> I got to do a, a spiritual U-turn and go back to God. Right, that's repentance. That your sins may be blotted out. Boom. Okay, the blood of Christ, justification by faith, being acquitted for guilt and condemnation, sins are blotted out. Bam. But it's an ongoing practice. Repent, therefore, and turn from our wicked ways, and God will hear from heaven, and he will send his spirit, right, in revival, renewal. Our sins will be blotted out. That times of refreshing. Aren't you glad those rains came? The fires in Alberta were just burning up the province. It's just like, it's like historic. We need the rain. We need the literal rain, but we need the rain of the Spirit to come on dry and dusty churches and and Christians that, that need a touch of His Spirit. That times of refreshing may come where? Notice this, from the presence of the Lord. Last slide. I mean, you can get the book. I'm not here to promote that, but the last slide. Last slide. Here's one. I'm going to leave you with this, then we're going to pray. 
The psalmist says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. There's no more better place to be than in the presence of God. So Lord, we pray even now this morning at Unity Baptist Church that there would be a renewing of your presence here. Lord, that as the people of God in this congregation, and some of you have traveled from other communities, Lord, may we embrace the biblical mandate to seek the Lord and his presence. Seek his presence continually, without interruption. Lord, we pray for a renewal of faith to believe that you exist and you reward, diligently reward those who earnestly seek you. Lord, the psalmist says, your face, O Lord, will I see. Lord, would you help us to be men and women of prayer, men and women of focus, men and women who reorient and recalibrate our lives each moment, each day to seek you, to pay attention to you, to obey you, to surrender to you in advance. By faith, Lord, we would embrace your kingdom. And Lord, we would experience the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Lord, may we repent. May we be open to the convicting work of the Spirit that cleanses us from all unrighteousness that we would reflect holiness unto the Lord. And Lord, would you send a revival into this church, into this community? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Roger, thank you for being here and for bringing that word for us. Much appreciated. Um, as you make your way out, there are things across the back table there. So the first one I want to point out is that there's a, a sheet of paper that says, what's baptism all about? Um, and if you saw the lyrics here, Everett, would you put up the last one for me? The last slide you had up. This, this is what baptism is all about. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And, and Dallas Kadju is getting baptized on June 11th, and there is room in the river for others who are saying, I'm ready to make that kind of commitment. And so if you want more information, if you want to talk about that, if the Lord is speaking to you and saying, I haven't yet taken that step, talk to me grab the sheet, let's have a conversation, and let's have more of us jump into the river and say, we will give everything for Jesus, because that's one of the things Roger mentioned today, is that it demands a life of full surrender. And we want to see more and more of us say, I have to give him everything because he's given me everything. So pick that up from the back. Grab a baby bottle for the Pregnancy Care Center fundraiser, and then check out some of Roger's books. He did not ask me to say this, but we invited someone who had resources for us to shepherd us through a time of, of seeking the Lord's presence and seeking his face in increasing ways. So be equipped by picking something up. Would you hold your hands out in front of you, please? Receive this blessing. I speak this blessing over you all the time, but don't forget that what Numbers says, what God tells the priests to do is say, when you give this blessing, you put my name, which is another way of speaking of God's presence, you put my name among my people. So the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace and blessing as you pursue him and seek his face continually. Be blessed, my friends. Thank you for being here. Have a great week.